0: Parker, have you ever been accused by your loved ones or significant others that you were, you know, a little bit selfish? hundred oh, percent. Oh, I mean, I've,
1: I mean, ex-girlfriends for sure. So not,
0: not current girlfriends though. <laughs> current
1: girlfriend? No, no.
0: No, oh, she girlfriend. doesn't. So you've like softened up over the years, or probably. she just hasn't seen yeah, it well, yet. I
1: win a lot less races than I did. Or are you when full I'm of? Are you just narcissistic? <laughs> I think you're full of. I'm going to call she right now. This is blind (laughs) shit. We got a car right this second. Get the actual answer. Hey, we're live. This is the Money Lap Podcast. I'm Park Klugman, joined as always by Landon Castle. Go check out themoneylap.com for our newsletter. It comes to your inbox three times a week with the cool stuff in motorsports. We got a big show, Landon. Before we jump into it, just real quick. Give a give everyone sort of a synopsis of what they can expect on this episode. We're going to talk heavy NASCAR. So for you Formula 1 fans and all racing, just know it's going to be heavy NASCAR because it is the NASCAR championship finale across all three series. So of course, we'll dive into that a bit. We will talk a little Formula 1 and some even supercars from Australia. And then we have a Q&A from some of your questions from around from YouTube and the internet that we will dive into at the end of this episode. But Landon, as always, we start with the PR lap. We get to talk about ourselves.
0: I love that part. No, you love that part. <laughs> I, I'm okay <laughs> with the part. You're you're the one that created the PR lap because you're uh, like, man, I just really want to talk about myself.
1: Yeah. I well, hold on, hold on. You re, you did just have a an um, in uh, interview with Jeff Glock's Twelve Questions, which is you're always the last one of the year. I know. In it, it, you said what What's a great skill race car drivers need? And you said is narcissism a skill? So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying (laughs) this Um, fits perfectly. Line.
0: (laughs) The best part about uh, Jeff Glucks. So Jeff Glucks Twelve Questions is a podcast as well, and that's the my preferred way to consume that content. Amazing franchise of of Jeff's that he's had for more than a decade and for more than a decade i have been the last driver to do 12 questions of every season and then at the beginning of the next season i helped jeff craft the questions for the following season so i kind of have a little bit of a uh, uh mainstay in the 12 questions franchise so it's a lot of fun so um yeah one of the questions was what what is a key skill or most important skill of a race car driver to possess? And the first thing that came to my mind was narcissism. So, <laughs> which makes is the that PR a skill? Is yeah, it? well, you know, I mean, I how many? Think it is. I think it is. No, I, I'm gonna, I'm
1: gonna go on your side with this <laughs> because to me, the best race car drivers in the world are incredibly selfish. Normally,
0: yeah, I think that's a uh, uh, a product of just ultra high performing, competitive. I mean, think about the most successful CEOs, athletes, you know, business owners, whatever successful people, um, business success. I'm not, um, I mean, it's, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm not trying to say that that is uh, at what everything life life isn't just about business success and athletic success, but I'm just pointing out that the, you know, the most high performing people in this world tend to have some level of narcissism or selfishness or whatever one track mind. So, yeah, think of your favorite race car drivers and uh, and I they could uh, love themselves. I could think could of probably, think of a few, you know, <laughs> Kyle Busch, <laughs> Tony Stewart. I mean, those guys get a little uh, get a little self-love there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they just they just love themselves you know what it is what it is if you're gonna do something where you're gonna be in the public eye at least y- you know you gotta love yourself a little bit because yeah.
0: you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get some rocks thrown your have way you parker have you ever been mm-hmm. accused by your loved ones or significant others that you were you know a little bit selfish oh 100 oh i mean i've i mean
1: ex-girlfriends for sure
0: so not, not current girlfriends though <laughs> Current girlfriend? No, no. No, she is not So you've like softened up over the years, or probably. she just hasn't seen yeah, it well, yet?
1: I win a lot less races than I did. <laughs> or are you probably full? When of last are t- you t- just narcissistic? <laughs> I think you're full. of f- I'm gonna call Shan right now. This is blind shit. We gotta call her right to second get the actual answer.
0: All right, we're back in the money lap. I just got off the <laughs> phone with Shan. She said it's a bunch of bo- bunch of baloney. He's this the most selfish person she's ever met. This By the way, yeah, was, Mrs. Castle no said the same thing. True. (laughs) The the evidence is
1: out there. Um, Speaking of myself and ourselves, uh, before we dive further in the PR lap, just a quick announcement. Earlier today, I recorded an interview slash discussion with Will Buxton, the F1 journalist. Uh, You might know him from Drive to Survive. Also as the F1 TV host, he was the reporter on Speed Channel and on NBC Sports for Formula One. It was an awesome discussion, diving into track limits and debating that. He even gave some he assessed some drivers currently in Formula One right now, um, including Logan Sargent, the American, and and uh, you know had some really strong opinions. So go check that one out as well. It's a special episode, but let's dive into this one, our normal Money Lap podcast episode here. Yeah, and uh, we start with the reviews. We did get a new Apple review, and I I love this one. It's from Next Year Cubs sixteen, who said is now my go to motorsports podcast. Five stars. The Money Lap has become my go-to podcast for motorsports. It covers various series but is a bit NASCAR heavy, which suits my interest to a T. Great technical information from a couple of drivers plus commentary and inside information as well. It is concise and to the point, yet entertaining and informative. That's one of my favorite reviews. Speaking of narcissism. It's a good one. Yeah.
0: Do you want to read well, this? I, I, I love a good thoughtful review. Um, especially when there's actual like really specific feedback from our discussions. Cause that just tells me that you're listening as well. So I like that. Uh, Wes heard on Spotify, actually speaking of Wes heard on Spotify said really good comments on paid drivers versus regular drivers. So um, thank you for that. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate, I appreciate a comment like that because I feel like sometimes we step outside the box or challenge the traditional thinking when it comes to paid drivers and things like that. Cause people, it's so easy to just discount paid drivers um, mm-hmm. nowadays. And, um, you know, my my thought on it right now is just suck it up. Maybe maybe <laughs> you should be a paid driver somehow. <laughs> you should want to be one. You should want to be a paid driver. Um, Great episode. Helps me keep up to date with all motor sports. This one's from Christopher. And I know I'm a week late, but thank you, Parker, for talking to me on Saturday at Homestead. Nice. Oh. You're always talking about people that recognize you. Uh, Christopher was the kid who asked about iRacing. I love so, that. And we're getting so much
1: love on the street Martinsville at Martinsville. I kid you not. Maybe maybe tens of
0: people, (laughs) tens of people, (laughs) tens of people said they love the money lab. We're getting so much love from the street on the money lab. Daniel Blackstone said great podcast. Love the deep dives. Otherwise, it's like I'm listening to the same news reported by every other racing podcast. The deep dive is a key to attracting more listeners. Thank you, Daniel. That's, that's what we want to do here. We want to actually talk about these subjects, not just react. I mean, it's hard not to be a reaction studio when there's legitimate converse, you know, legitimate current events happening. Um, and we are going to react to them, but we like to try to react to these current events with our thoughtful experience, our spin on them. So, Appreciate the notice there, Daniel. We'll try to keep it up. We'll try to keep things as deep as we can without running out of time. Because I'm hungry. <laughs>
1: Definitely. Tonight. We got. We do have a lot. We're going to run out tonight. time. but we're not going to run out of time. Uh, speaking of uh, YouTube, we will dive into those comments and questions on the YouTube. But we are closing in on 1,000 subscribers there, so please go uh, subscribe to our YouTube, The Money Lap. And uh, we're going to be we've been cutting up clips and putting more content there, and you know, one day it might even be special content, even. I don't know. We might have something really cool to talk about in the next couple of days slash next week involving YouTube. So stay tuned. Um, I raced Martinsville this past weekend, and really to sum it up, it was easy, Landon. I hit everything but the lottery uh, <laughs> and still finished 10th. <laughs> hit the lower control arm off the car, finished 10th. It was a just one of those races where everything goes wrong from the beginning of being maybe about a 13th place car to you know having no drive off to – Pitting and not taking tires, but trying to work on it, giving up her track position, getting the front destroyed, then going, you know, fighting all the way back, going laps down, coming all the way back to lead lap, then immediately getting the right front knocked in, going three laps down after cutting the right front tire. That getting all the way back in the lead lap and on the last restart, getting into the top 10 and the huge wreck at the end got clipped, spun, and destroyed Mm -hmm. on the front stretch and still finished 10th. So (laughs) it was a wild affair. If you were on my social media, you'll see there was a funny moment from my owner where he he wanted uh, to give each crew member a $1,000 bonus. If we got to the top 10, we got there. So you're welcome, boys. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) In points? Well, top 10 in that race oh oh martinsville okay yeah so now so the point situation uh and i should just say hey it was a team effort this past weekend i mean every one of my crew guys you know was cutting pieces off this car this thing had no business finishing the top 10 and we found a way to make it happen so cool to do it in front of our owner scott we saw our you know our team rally up and and you know take a bad day and turn into a positive so you got to do that sometimes it's our 18th uh, top ten of the year. So we'll, if we when we get another one this coming weekend, we'll be just short of twenty, which is a solid year. So that's a really good year. And speaking of points, um, we're in a tight battle. From we're in eighth, but it's tight from about sixth to tenth. Probably spread about twenty five points. 28. not super tight, but there's tight mm-hmm. portions in there. It's tight for us from above tenth. So we've got to we've got to go figure it out. I want to finish sixth. I did the math. It pays about uh, double to finish sixth versus tenth for me wow. in the uh, in my compensation for the year. So,
0: for that <laughs> particular big... bonus, or your entire year's compensation is double that particular bonus. Oh, okay, you,
1: okay. The year-end portion is a big portion of our compensation for the year. So, we got to go get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what's, also... the, what's the what's the path?
0: You need a little bit of attrition in Phoenix, and then a yeah. top five
1: probably a little bit of trash. Yeah, I mean, to get 20 points, points. points. On
0: sixth, you're you're going to need it's gonna something. A
1: lot. It's going to take a lot. Yeah. You're going to need a little help, that sort of thing. I think it, for us, it just needs to be we got to be in the top <clears throat> 7 in stages, at top 8. So talk to me about Phoenix. Then. Get it to top 5. What about it? What's
0: I mean, I What's so I was in the sim I was in the sim this week for Phoenix actually for Hendrick. Yes. Uh which is cool. Get their getting their cars ready for the uh uh, for the championship race and which is an honor. Cause they have two, you know, a uh, couple cars racing for a championship. So what are your thoughts? I mean, what's the, so I was in what, the same on Tuesday. What's your-
1: yeah. What's my attack on this. So my, my plan. <clears throat> so I did lots of prep back in the spring for Phoenix. I had mm-hmm. not been there in 10 years and thankfully took great notes. Um, and then was able to relate those notes to real life. And when I went there and, practice I had just the notes aligned perfectly and the things I worked on especially turns three and four which you helped me with actually if you remember correctly where I really struggled there in the in terms of just understanding how to attack that corner and where the min speed point was and ever since that figuring that out it was like a light bulb went off and so what I did in the sim this time was we didn't do nearly as much as I did in the spring, but what I did is look at the notes and then try to apply those notes and then work just a little bit of things I found in real life. And sure enough, they all clicked. And so over the course of a couple hours felt like, all right, that's what I, I know what the, the plan of attack there. Um, and I know what we need from our race car in terms of practice adjustments into qualifying in the race. So we have a pretty good plan. Mm-hmm. I'd say one of our best plans of the year in that sense. So we'll see if it all comes to fruition, but it's not anything super special as opposed to really building on what we did in the spring and what I felt like really worked for me. So we'll see if that plays off.
0: Uh, That's a huge one for me. That's very finicky. And when you figure it out, I think you can, um, it can be almost automatic. Um, it Phoenix is interesting for me because I feel like I have a specific way that I drive that track. That's different. Um, that requires a little bit different setup, but I actually think that, um, I think that I have a little secret sauce as long as I can get the, my car set up the way to fit my driving style there. So when mm-hmm. I've had, I have a few instances in my career where I've had a car that was really well set up for my driving style for Phoenix and I've run really, really well there. One of specifically really my, my most recent NASCAR race, which was a year ago in the 10 car at college, uh, ran just had a solid top five car there. Um, and that car was uniquely set up for my driving style um going into that race. Hmm. Um in the sim, it's it's difficult because I feel like I don't run as well with like your driving style or A. J. Almendinger's driving style or mm-hmm. um, I mean, even William Byron and Kyle Larson's driving style is a little bit different than mine. So I find myself, you know, having to adapt to what they're doing, um, to be able to Replicate what they need, which is that's fine. I mean, that's the job uh, for what I'm doing there right now. But uh, but it is interesting the way I drive that place, and, and a lot of it has to do with just braking. I'm not a big peak brake pressure guy, so you don't see that like spike in the brake mm-hmm. pressure and the splitter hitting the ground and um, that maximum tire squish at initial corner entry but where if you can if when i have a team that sets the car up around that driving style we actually get the front end a lot lower for me and because the track is so flat um the splitter stays a lot lower all the way around the track and i feel like i benefit from that every mm. time i've had a car set up like that at phoenix um i've run exceptionally well so um it's kind of an interesting it's not ever something that teams see in the simulation i've had any every time i've been able to execute that with a team i've had to really convince the crew chief to you know really set the car up lower in real life than what the simulation says that it can handle <laughs> because um you know the simulation will say that it's going to be you know a quarter of an inch into the ground um but my driving style kind of corrects that um and and the, the you know the front end of the car will be at the right height so i don't know it's kind of an interesting interesting uh way that i get around the place
1: that is fascinating <clears throat> and i think it goes to uh a lot of what people don't often realize is yeah there's the correct setup and that sort of thing but there's also the correct setup for your driver and there is places where a driver Mm -hmm. can make a big difference in you understanding that knowing how you drive it and being able to relay to a team. This is how it needs to be set up. Right. I think that's a really Mm -hmm. powerful thing when you have that and you know that, and you have that confidence. So I feel that for sure. That's awesome. I don't know if I had that confidence there, but I, you did help me out big time. So I do appreciate that.
0: Well, one thing that I am confident about Parker is that spoiler diecast cast com is one of the largest inventories in the industry. They have over 800 unique products currently in stock, including diecast and apparel offerings for NASCAR, dirt sprint cars, IndyCar, and F1. And with their pre-order system in place, you can be sure to get your hands on the latest diecast releases without the long wait. What's even better. If you spend fifty dollars or more at SpoilerDieCast.com right now, they still have a few Landon Castle signed diecasts left, but I'm gonna just have to almost stop saying that because I think they're almost gone. So just in case they don't, use promo code MONEYLAP. To get free shipping, five percent off all orders. Uh, don't wait. Head to SpoilerDieCast.com today and get your racing fix before the season's over. Yes. SpoilerDieCast.com. I, I, I don't know what the season <laughs> I don't know what the season being over has to do with. <laughs> have to shop for a diecast, but well, so it's, after, it's, it's it's about it, time to do a Christmas yeah. special.
1: That's what I was gonna say. It's perfect timing for that. So it is, you should.
0: It's Christmas season in the Castle House. We uh we oh. start Christmas in November.
1: <clears throat> my girlfriend most definitely will have done that as well. So Halloween's her favorite, but now it's Christmas time. I love Thanksgiving, but that's because my favorite holiday involves drinking and eating a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's jump into the biggest topics from around the motorsports world. And we did say this is going to be a bit NASCAR heavy because it is the final weekend of NASCAR, but off of Martinsville, there was plenty to talk about starting with the Xfinity series. Yes. I talked about my race, um, but that really wasn't the story. Landon. The story was another year, another two teammates clash in the final laps of the race between uh at the end for you know one for drivers to go on to the championship four. uh last year it was the gibbs teammates of ty gibbs and brandon jones this year it was the rcr teammates of sheldon creed and austin hill there's a lot of discussions you had a pretty big tweet about this um where do we want mm-hmm. to start with this one
0: um i mean let's just Let's. Do you want to just go right to that uh, final restart and and talk yeah. about it? I mean, or what? Yeah. What did Break you think there? Well,
1: so for my obviously, I was in the race, didn't see any of it, but I knew sitting under the red flag there that was about thirty minutes long what the situation was. I assumed the twenty one could possibly be in on points. Obviously, we all knew the two had to win, right? I think <clears throat> you know when you dissect it now, maybe there's some things that RCR as, a, as an entity could have done to put themselves in the best position there, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that. But I think it, really they weren't, they weren't in a great position because both cars basically were in a position where most likely to, at least to control their destiny, especially the 21 because the double the zero was making up spots. They you had to win. make up spots. They had to win, right? So you're kind of in a, no, you're in a tough spot they to say, to hey, you got to work both together. Both of them did. Right. Yeah. So I think that was tough. What happened after that? Personally, the two car, Sheldon. I feel like he he was almost really nice. <laughs> I felt like down into turn one nice. on the yeah on the final lap turn one, you know, Ty Gibbs showed what you can do to Brendan Jones, and that is dump them into the just wall, cause him. a caution. Yeah, cause a caution and and move on. But he didn't, <clears throat> and he tried to race it cleanly, and was bit for that. And I that's where I just uh, I didn't understand all the fervor around his. Decision making when to me it was the nicest choice possible.
0: Yeah. And I don't uh yeah, I I was kind of surprised that the two didn't choose behind the 21 on that restart. <laughs> um you know, that tells me that the two actually wanted to win it fair and square. Um, and the twenty one on that restart didn't want to give the two a chance. He just drove straight up the racetrack, tried to take his line away. Um, which the, did the two had fresher tires that I don't know. I don't know that I, I, for some reason I thought there was a tire difference, but either way, I mean, the two is faster obviously, but they took the green flag and the 21 just ran the two up the racetrack. Didn't even (laughs) want to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just raced him horribly. And I think the two was generous and the 21 was throwing these mad blocks. I mean, you're going to get punted when you block and chop the corner the way he did. It was like they were funhouse go kart racing, <laughs> and um, you know the final lap, it, the things that you don't that that you didn't see right off the bat. That after watching it a few times, you know, and rehashing it, one thing you got to notice is that the twenty one turned down into the two so hard into turn three that you can see where it bent yep. his splitter down. Yeah, his. His splitter was on the ground going into turn three. So, yeah, I mean, Sheldon bombed it into the corner, probably overdrove it, but he had no angle. He had been run down the racetrack. He got his you know, right front splitter caved down. Uh, it's on the ground. He was shoving up the racetrack so hard. It What looked like a brake check was really a brake check. Um, and he had to do it for a couple reasons i think Turned you know just to make the corner he needed to get the car to turn a little bit he had to brake check um but i also think it was a tactical move i think that it was smart to try to almost check the field up behind him and and get that hit from the bumper so that he can drive off the corner and have the space to drive off the corner um i just think that he you know maybe it was a, a a slight error because there was some room there for the 7 to fill a gap when he made the brake check so he didn't just brake check He was he was trying to break check both lanes or maybe you know just hoping it was a single file lane of cars behind him, but it wasn't. The seven was able to fill the gap and win the race. So that was the unfortunate part for Sheldon, Austin. um, I I you know I I, my tweet said that the twenty one should have let the two win. I I think I kind of retract that because like that's a little bit of that's definitely an armchair quarterback should have could (laughs) have woulda. How do you really know? I mean he was close enough on points that that I don't blame him for just expect thinking that he needs to win the race himself. Um, but it still was just, I don't know. It was just kind of crappy driving <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. And then, and then crappy attitude after the fact. Yeah. I think the attitude, you know, obviously I I like Austin. I, I'm a fan, I'm a fan <laughs> of Austin's, but I just, I just didn't think that that was great. And then the, the whole stuff with RCR after the fact was laughable in my opinion, uh, pretty tacky. <laughs> so
1: obviously, I work closely with RCR and these drivers and have through the season. um, And I have immense amount of respect for Sheldon and an immense amount of respect for Austin Hill. And I'd say my respect for Austin Hill has, has gone far higher this year than it was prior to the season. And I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even, I don't think I need to hide that. He knew that. And I think, you know, it's, I just definitely have a different viewpoint of his driving ability uh, as I've watched him this year. But I think, The key points that you point out that not a lot of people saw there was the the you know the body slam down the backstretch that eventually damaged the two car and forced him in a position where he was going to drive in deep. There's a lot of that speedy dry stuff down the track. The track was like slick as well because all the oil and everything (laughs) had been laid down during the red flag when 92 cars wrecked. Um, And so you know the reaction afterwards to me was a little disappointing, especially as you put it from the, you know, the organizational side is to, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a driver, which you and I are and have driven for different organizations, Mm -hmm. you want to know your organization at least has your back, right? Like the the best situations I've been in are you win and lose as a team, but we've got your back, right? If you do what it takes to win. And I just think it's disappointing when organizations don't support a driver when, you know, their, their goal was trying to do what everyone's there to do, which is win. Right. Um, and I find that that can be a tough thing. And it's just overall disappointing. I do know Denny Hamlin and many asked what was the RCR uh, competition meeting like? Well, I can tell you from inside uh, being there, I was the only driver. So it was not, there was nothing to happen. So you can all move <laughs> on. <laughs>
0: Nobody showed up, huh?
1: Nobody showed up. I was the only driver.
0: Um, yeah. I, uh, um, and I'm glad that RCR kind of, I mean, Petrie apologized on NASCAR race hub felt like he could have handled it better. I don't know if RC is, if Richard has said anything because he had some pretty strong words for Sheldon said that he was the dumbest driver he's ever had. Um, and that's just, you know, it's heat of the moment and he's Richard Childress. So I guess he could say whatever he wants. He's got a pretty good organization over there in terms of competition. Um, but at that part, those comments and that reaction is disappointing for what you said, right? Like the organization, sh- the organization should have their drivers back. And you know, you look at the a new driver going in there, Jesse Love. I mean, it, I don't know if those comments, no matter what you think of Sheldon Creed, I don't, I don't think hearing those comments from your future team owner is going to make you feel really great about where you're headed. Um, That's and. Tough. It is tough, and and you look at you know I also look at it from the perspective of like you know Sheldon is a really good driver and he's a is extremely capable driver I think he's going to go places, but he also you know he brought funding to get in that car. That's how that business works at that level. Um, you know he's his family was a big part of putting that deal together, to my understanding. I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, most of those Xfinity rides have to have some kind of financial backing to get the car fielded. Mm-hmm. And you know for children to sort of take their money and then just make those comments on their way out. Um I I would imagine that it's one of those moments in life where I I do think that Richard is a a person of somewhat in- <laughs> decent integrity and he probably wishes he wouldn't have said that.
1: That's and that's tough. And I I think in this case to your point emotions are high, right? Everyone's yeah, seen it for the first exactly. time there. We drivers, right? We have to apologize sometimes for things we say on the radio for stuff we do in the car, right? I guess it's no different. Obviously you put it out there to Andy Petrie apologized on NASCAR race hub and said, we should have handled it better than, I, or I should have handled it better than I did after the race. Um, his other quote was they bent the bumper bar on Sheldon's car going into turn three. When he got there, he couldn't turn. So, you know, admitting when cooler he- cooler heads have prevailed later on right that's the right thing but yeah it's unfortunate and hey the uh even you know it shows you how invested everyone is in the results of these races Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes we just feel like we're cars going in circles that is not the case so there's a lot of people putting a lot of effort into trying to make these cars go fast and to beat each other trust me uh i sit you and i have both sat in these meetings and seen the sometimes it boggles my mind the amount of people that have to put together these race cars to go and try and beat each other. And then you, you do that over 30, you know, 20 some odd cars at that level. And you're like, huh, this is a pretty big endeavor.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, uh, it is that time of season two where it just, you know, if you have something to say, it's time to say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, let's move into the cup series. It was a, uh, really compelling cup series race at Martinsville, probably the, definitely the best short track race of the next gen era. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the more compelling <laughs> Martinsville races, you know, for a lot of reasons being the playoffs and the fight to get into the championship. But also, you know, they were, there was a little bit of passing. There was a lot of rubber that laid down. And I think one thing that hasn't been discussed enough is that it was an unseasonably 81 plus degrees, <laughs> uh at martinsville <laughs> here in october 30th or october you know late october so i think the, which that which that helped has a seemed to
0: make the biggest difference it does that, and it helps the biggest in difference rubber. at martinsville it does
1: It's the most temperature dependent racetrack on the planet in my opinion or at least in, in terms of what mm, kind of racing you get.
0: no i'm saying what time i of disagree racing with that but in terms of rubber laying down for sure oh well, well, what, you, yeah, what would it's, you say? it's yeah. too complicated it's two completely different racetracks in what terms I was trying of how it takes rubber. It is two completely different racetracks in terms of how it takes rubber uh, depending on temperature. You can have a 55-degree or 60-degree fall day. The track will take no rubber. It yep. is completely All around the bottom. white because of the concrete the whole time. and you mm-hmm. got, And you run around the bottom, and the only way to pass is to boot someone out of the way. Or you have what you had on Sunday, and... The sun beats down on the track. It's 80 degrees and there's just enough heat that it keeps the rubber on like the rubber adheres to the track. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's it's like as simple as that. If the if the track is cold, the rubber does just doesn't get hot enough and the track doesn't get hot enough that the rubber wears off and it balls up and it just spits it up the racetrack. And that's where we have marbles. But when it's hot, the rubber, the rubber gets hot, the tire gets hot, the racetrack gets hot. And just like glue, or you know what I don't. I'm trying to think of something that's sticky, right? <laughs> they 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 will stick together as long as there's heat there, and it'll stay stick. And that's where the stuck to the track, and that's where the track gets black. And then where the track gets black, it gets slick because it's greasy on the rubber, and there's you know it's like there's oil in the tire material and grease in the tire material, whatever it is. And the rubber on rubber does not make grip. You th- some some people think it does, but it doesn't. And so that's when the groove opens up and you have a completely different racetrack than if it's just a one lane track. The reason for whatever reason, the tire, the reason that's so much more sensitive now than it's been earlier in my career is there's something about the Goodyear tire that we've been racing on. And I know we always talk about different tire compounds, but there's something about just the tire in general, the rubber in general, the makeup of the rubber in general nowadays doesn't. It, um, what am I trying to say? It's I'm I'm, I'm totally making it something up. you it doesn't. But you know to how
1: track the same way. I know what you're saying. Um, you, you're, yeah. You're saying it has like, like it you know down. how
0: like oil. You know how cooking when you cook with oil, like different oils have a different smoke point, right? So yes, you know, yes. Uh, olive oil might be 350 degrees and avocado oil might be 400 degrees or whatever. So it's like the the rubber that Goodyear is using to make the tires nowadays has a much higher stick point,
1: right? For the rubber to wear <laughs> off the tire
0: and stick to the track. The tire has to be really hot to to build up rubber and stick to the racetrack. And the track has to be hot. No, and I, I think you're, you're, you're 100% has, onto yeah. something. You're 100% <clears throat> onto it. And you know that this
1: this occurred what was it 10 years ago or a little longer than that, maybe 13 or 14 years ago when they had to change the process of from natural rubbers to synthetic rubbers or something. And this has been that discussion for a long time. So you're, you're right. There was a change. Yep. Yeah. So, something, uh, something in the, in the rubber. Well, and it's, it's fascinating because that's, so that's the reason I brought it up and why, you know, you did a great job describing what happened. It, it creates an entirely different type of racing that the next gen car just hasn't had there because the next gen car has so much tire and creates so much grip. And then on top of that, doesn't have a ton of horsepower to spin the tires, so the tires don't wear out that much. And then lastly, there's a you know, you can downshift so that anytime you make a mistake, it's really easy to recover from mistakes. So the racing there has been really tough. Was it vastly different this time? No. You know, listening to some of the drivers, they didn't think it was vastly different, but from the outside, there was definitely a couple more comers and goers. There was definitely, you know, at least the, the rubber laying down made different line choices work. You could run the outside like the 12 car Blaney did to make passes, which just was not the case in any of the previous ones. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, there was an unfortunate deal where I, before the race, I, I was pit reporting this weekend. One of the teams told me, yeah, we can run 2000 laps on the left side tires before they wear out. <laughs> so that's, that's not ideal uh, in terms wow. of racing. Um, <laughs> And the four team of Kevin Harvick, I believe, went half the race on the left side tires from a tweet oh from Rodney Childers. So, yeah, that wasn't great. But there's but just no – you... so, I, you know, I don't – well, go ahead. Well, to your point about rubber, the pace car broke down this past weekend, and I did tweet about the rubber on my shoes from walking across the track. It broke down because it picked up so much rubber on the tires, and it, it got through rubber and, like, into the wiring of the car. And made the God. car stop. Wow! So there was a lot of rubber being laid <laughs> down.
0: <laughs> it's it's very interesting. I, I'm the tire journey. The tire conversation is an interesting one. The dynamics there with NASCAR and the tire in Goodyear, you know, is interesting because Goodyear is a sole supplier, right? And their brand. It, it's it's a touchy subject, really, because you know, Goodyear. Goodyear is in NASCAR for branding and marketing, right? yeah, so it doesn't you know what we want as drivers and teams is not like a um is' not necessarily the most marketable thing for Goodyear as a tire company trying to sell to consumers, and what I mean by that is we want a tire that wears out and fails almost on a long over the course of its life, right. Mm -hmm. and we want to talk about that and I think that Goodyear obviously wants to provide a great racing tire but if you're a tire company trying to sell tires to a retail consumer you're not necessarily want your lead marketing campaign to be using your product and watching it fail yep right so there's (laughs) there's kind of a weird incentives there and then of course you know it you know there's the failure in terms of tire degradation right over the course that we talk- call that tire fall off and the tire wear, but you know so you don't want to make this tire that's like wearing a lot I mean that's not great marketing, and then also um you sure as hell don't want the tire to have a catastrophic failure right yep. because we all we've all seen over the years what happens when the tire has a catastrophic failure, car hits the wall, driver gets out, gets interviewed. what do they say? The tire book. <laughs> <laughs> the tires suck. Goodyear Goodyear bought a crappy tire or brought a crappy tire. So well you know, we're 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 constantly in this in this I think this this difficult dynamic in our sport where the drivers and the teams want one thing and want this com what, what it takes to make a good and competitive, you know, stock car racing tire, um, the company that makes the tires and the whole reason they're in the sport to brand themselves as a quality, reliable tire for customers or for retail consumers. Um, you know, they, they would much rather just build a tire that'll last forever. Right. Yep. Denny Hamlin said,
1: uh, about the driver council, basically going to Goodyear and being like, look, you build us a softer tire and it blows. We'll, we'll, we'll back you. Don't worry. <laughs> Which I think is a
0: nice sentiment, but here's the problem. I appreciate that. Well, hold on. Here's, here's the I thing. Appreciate so that, I appreciate that, Denny. Y- and I yeah. hope he said that, but what, I don't believe you. So, and neither, neither should, was Goodyear? <laughs>
1: I, my point being, that's kind of a, you know, it's a nice sentiment, but guess what? That's, that's not, you know, no, no multi-billion dollar company is going to be like, yeah, we'll take you at your word. You know, it's it's not going to (laughs) happen. The, the, it's an interesting discussion and we didn't really plan this on this pod. So we're just going to go on a tangent here for a second. You know, Pirelli in Formula One had that issue where their tire, they came in and they created tires that people wanted, which wore out and required a ton of pit stops and that sort of thing. But then it started to look so ridiculous that they were like hey we have to change this because it makes Pirelli tires look awful. So
0: that's the point
1: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, well that's and so you, to your point it's it's an issue which is why last year on my in the wall show I did on YouTube I actually did a, a bit of a rant where I basically went into the idea that should racing series just create their own tires. You already sell them <laughs> to the teams. You already sell them for an that's astronomical a- price per <clears throat> per whatever. Why are we not making our own tires? If you want the tires you want, maybe. You make
0: them. maybe, but I mean, it's okay. So then the question is how much, what, what type of racing are you gaining or giving up for in replace of, Oh, well, marketing, you know, huge title sponsorship, right? Yeah. The, the big thing you like lose you're gonna... is Goodyear
1: spends <clears throat> what, you know, 30 million a year in ads and that sort of thing.
0: Right. So can you gain that back just by being able to make a better, a, a, a what we think is a better tire, right? Because I'm just saying, like I'm not even gonna go out and say. I mean, I've driven all kinds kinds of racing tires in my career, it, mostly on stock cars. I know what I like as a driver as a racing tire, but I'm not saying that I know everything. And so yep. you're gonna give up thirty million a year and and you know corporate ad spend in the in the industry across the industry, just to appease you know drivers who are like oh i want them to be really grippy when they're new and fall off (laughs) Uh, over the course of a long run and that's gonna be better racing trust me well my question Uh, here's here's my question
1: could mm -hmm. you could you make your own tires not brand them by any sort of tire manufacturer but allow tire all sorts of all tire manufacturers to advertise in the sport on the cars
0: oh and make up for it
1: it would make up for it could you allow them all to advertise so there's no exclusivity.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting thought. Hey, you, you can even know what? Uh, let them. Go yeah. ahead. I yeah, I mean that's a um, that's definitely an interesting thought. I guess it's just interesting to think that a tire company wouldn't you know would sponsor the sport but not be on the tire.
1: Yeah, you never know. There's just crazier things happen. Let's uh, If you're a fan out there listening to this and you have an opinion on tires, please let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Write to us at uh, at somethingatthemoneymap.com or just respond to us on social media. Yeah, we just did it. (laughs) If you like tires, uh, just to quickly run through some of the bigger topics from this past weekend. Obviously, Denny Hamlin missed out. We had him tabbed to be uh, in the championship four. We're going to go through our championship four picks here a little bit. And all the things we got wrong, but it's always his year till it isn't, and it is now not Denny Hamlin's year anymore uh in in <laughs> true number eleven Denny Hamlin fashion, they had an excellent day, one stage one, finished second in stage two, third in stage three. But the problem was the twelve car of Ryan Blaney was just better, and maybe the eleven car <laughs> was the second best car in the field, but they just got beat by one car essentially between them and making the championship for it. And I just, I had to do the post-race interview with Denny, and I, I legitimately felt bad because I'm like, this, once again, this guy's 51 career wins. At 42 years old, he's going to most likely go down as the best ever to not win a championship unless he can change this. And once again, he gets it taken away. That just, uh, I don't know. It just
0: seemed like he did everything right
1: performance-wise, just still couldn't make it happen. It's,
0: what's unfortunate for him, and I you know, I was a Denny Hamlin fan this year. Obviously I picked him to win the championship. Um, Although I do want to run the tape back because I believe Mm. that I picked William Byron to win the championship way earlier this year on this podcast before we even released the podcast. So I think this was one of our trial episodes. Didn't I call Mm. William Byron to win the championship? You might have. So we we need to get producer Josh on that and find the (laughs) clip. But uh anyways i um of all the years as well for denny because he's made the final four the championship four and had opportunities right this was the year that he just seemed to be on it right Yep. yep and and to not get himself there um is heartbreaking and you know kind of similar I mean it's almost similar to your situation in the Rover wars just like I don't it is a cup series and in the cup series you have to win in these scenarios but I I still want to say like what what more was he supposed to do in this scenario? Yep. I mean run top yep. 5 all day it's Martinsville. Qualifying I, I, in the you know, top Ryan 5. Ryan Blaney is top good. Five. and Ryan Blaney is <laughs> Ryan Blaney is driving the best of his career right now. Um but I I if you, if you told me where Denny Hamlin was going to run in Martinsville, and then and then gave me odds on whether he transferred or not, I would not have bet that Ryan Blaney was going to outrun Denny Hamlin like that at Martinsville. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you all respect the- to Blaney and how he's running.
1: Yeah, he's on and. Ryan Blaney is on an absolute heater right now. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> the guy is, you know, since they got in the playoffs, has just been on it. Um, and, you know, in the summer months, wasn't doing great, at least finishes-wise. But, you know, since they got in the playoffs, has just lit it up. And that was one of the mm-hmm. finest drives he's had in, in all of NAS, you know, in his career, I believe. You know, watching that race the other day, mm-hmm. he was just calm, cool, collected, and, you know, continually just made the right moves, found lanes to make passes when others didn't, and executed at a super high level and, and you know had a fast car but drove it perfect you know to perfection. So you yeah. gotta give them credit where credit's due. And to your point, it's like when I talked about the Roval for us in the X3 series, it was like we had a really, really good day. We needed a an mm-hmm. excellent day. Danny Hammond had an excellent day. He needed a perfect day. <laughs> it's like, right. he needed to win. Yeah. It's like, you know, he literally came in there What seventeen points below or whatever and just needed to win as the the end of it. So uh Ford wins with Brian Blaney. They almost won with Eric Almarola, who announced that he's retiring from full time cup competition at the end of the year. He had a great drive, but and this week they announced the new Ford Mustang for next year. And it looks kind of mean. Did you see the photos yet?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it looks really good.
1: Yeah, it looks kinda mean. I like it. Uh there'll be another manufacturer uh with a new car next year as well. Um Stay tuned. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I may have got to see it. I don't know. Uh, Fontana is finally under destruction. There was someone who tweeted that out today. If you want to go see those, maybe we'll link. Them. We'll put that link in our uh, show description. I'm pretty sure Josh can help us out there, which would be nice. And then our favorite conversation, by the way, Charter Talk. It was announced this week, or at least not announced, but it was put out there that NASCAR will not repossess the fifty-one Charter from Rick Ware racing as uh you know I think it's in the bottom 3 three consecutive years now so mm-hmm. they had the option to do that but they with the you know RFK alliance they have their use of full a motors and now signing Justin Haley they basically uh consider that a commitment to performance improvement so they are safe for now with their charter which is interesting we haven't really seen that publicly discussed until I believe now
0: i think um hmm. I'm going to kind of side with the the team owners on this one and say that I think the whole bottom three deal is a silly rule to begin with. Um, I think it defeats the purpose of having a closed charter environment. I think that if you want to have a way to kick a team out, because if you feel like they're milking the system, then just do it, you know, and have it <laughs> written in the bylaws or the agreement that way. Or maybe the charter owners can all agree to kick someone out. I don't know. But You're the whole bottom the three alley. thing is just get out. Yeah, it's just it's stupid because it's like it's a, it's a really clear rule, right? Or it, you know, it's 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 a really simple and clear rule. You can't finish in the bottom 3 for 3 years in a row. Mm-hmm. Then we might get rid of you. And it's just like, well, don't or do or don't. I don't care. Like what which one is it? <laughs> right So I to me, I think it's silly and I'm glad that they're not taking away their charter because I think Rick Ware Racing, I think it's I think it's really freaking hard to build a competitive race team. Mm-hmm. And Rick Ware uh you know, that guy is scrappy. He's a racer. He, you know, he's done very well for himself, but he doesn't have a billion dollar enterprise to back himself up. He's had to every penny that's in that place. He's had to either find it himself or scrap for it or the sponsorship. And it's so you're not just going to all of a sudden, you know, compete in the top 20 or in the top 25, even in the cup series, it's just really hard to do. And so um he's made it farther than i think anybody gave him credit for uh he's obviously signed justin haley as a r you know rfk alliance roush yates engines next year so i you know i don't it doesn't bother me that he's been in the bottom three for three years i think it's a respectable organization and i think it's a dumb rule i think it's almost
1: antiquated in the current next gen situation in there you know yeah yeah, well you had you know five years ago you had cars that were running on three and a half million bucks starting parking essentially right right now the bottom car in the nascar cup series
0: is damn near probably 10 million eight to 10 million somewhere in there right and that is a much more mature way of saying what i said because you know what let's (laughs) let's go back to when the charter agreement was created And Mm -hmm. the charter agreement was created in a time, like you said, when there were several teams and organizations that were either milking the system or, you know, it, we were fresh out of a time period where start and park, I mean, my career was started on start and parks. I know the financials around that, though, those start and park teams were making more money doing what they were doing than teams that were running 20th every week. Yeah. Right. So, um, that the that, that rule exists because of that time period, if they recreated the charter agreement, which I guess they are right now <laughs> i want I do wonder what the future of that rule looks like in the next charter agreement I say it's gone it's and well, and I just want to expand
1: gone. on that I want to expand on those numbers too, because you know you think, okay, six, ten million dollars. That's a pretty big jump. The crazy part is, and this was the conundrum that Front Row was in forever. You know, when Front Row was running on ten million bucks and finishing 32nd in points, the, the to move to 30th in points or 28th in points was like an eight million dollar gap, or sometimes even higher, right? And so the yeah. reward for finishing three points, three spots higher in points was only, you know, negligible couple hundred grand maybe Mm -hmm. but the cost to do it was almost double what they were spending and so it was like this weird conundrum and i think right now though in the cup series you have this this weird it's that is going away in that the bottom the bottom of the cup series right now thirty sixth place is a car that i don't know a couple years ago would have maybe been 30th or 28th but that the gap to 36 used to be a couple, you know, multiple millions. And now it's just all mm-hmm. tightened up into that, you know, from there to the to 15th is a doubling of cost and spend. But you, you know, you also don't get that reward. And it's no, there's no guarantee now because there's so many cars that are spending that amount of money. So I don't know if that was a great way to Which, explain it. Which, by the way, it, that's a very good thing. It's a healthy thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. It's just that's, this, just, that's why that's this a good rule thing. doesn't make any sense right now, to my opinion. Yeah. Anymore. So let's, uh, let's dive into our championship four picks because um, that we had at the start of the playoffs. So I think this is kind of fun. So I had William Byron, uh, so he's going to be there. I'm actually covering William Byron on NBC for, uh, for all those wondering. So I will be in the 24s pit uh, on Sunday. And I had Martin Truex Jr. He didn't make it. Denny Hamlin, who was my championship pick, he didn't make it. And I had Kyle Busch. He, he did not make it. So I, I only have one chance here.
0: I, I didn't do well later. <laughs> uh i have two i have two shots at it i've got william byron and denny ham uh, i'm sorry william byron and kyle larson i had truex hmm. and hamlin as well um uh, so i was close to getting three out of the four uh, look and at you josh josh has byron and that's it so i'm uh like my chances here you also
1: are apparently you know helping those guys so wow you were you were like foreseeing the future or something there.
0: Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had a good good feel for the program and uh <laughs> you know, made sure that uh had them in there. So you're like if they <laughs> if they were to bring me in, then these are definite championship locks. So I it's interesting though. I'm looking forward to seeing how they run this weekend. Um I feel like I have thoughts on based on what I have felt. I have thoughts, so I feel like before the weekend starts, I should write them out, down and put them in an envelope, um, mm. only to be opened until after the race. Do that, and we'll do it on the pod. Do it after this, uh, 100%. Have, right. You have to do
1: that. Also, we should say Josh has picked William Byron to win the championship, so he he, he could win out entirely there. Let's move into uh, Formula 1. As I mentioned in the beginning episode, but if you're just hearing this now – we have a special episode I recorded earlier today with Will Buxton, the F1 TV host, obviously a part of Netflix Drive to Survive, was the reporter on Speed Channel and NBC Sports in Formula One. We dive into a debate about track limits, uh, which was a real spirited discussion. He had some really strong opinions about drivers. We assessed some of them and some other fact big global topics in Formula One. So go check that out. Uh, it's on all our podcast platforms and on YouTube, of course. One thing uh, that popped up this week, though, we're going to just dive into a couple little things in Formula 1. Liam Lawson, who had that great debut for AlphaTauri this year when Daniel Ricciardo got hurt, uh, is not a full-time ride in 2024. He will be going back to the Super Formula series in Japan, which is a really cool series. And one day we should do a deep dive on that series because there's so many cool things that happen there. Uh, I've been a big fan of it for a long time. But he... um, Red Bull did say they want him on standby in 2024, so I believe I nice. believe that young man, with the performance he had, he <laughs> could find himself in Formula One the next year or two for sure.
0: I thought he did great. Um, um, yeah, What's I feel that? like uh, is that it's Formula One is so open about their standby driver culture and lineups and stuff. NASCAR is much more you know less organized about it. Teams. Um I feel like NASCAR teams typically decide their standby drivers like in the moment <laughs> and sometimes based on who's available at that moment. Mm. Um, where in F1 it's like a whole pipeline and drivers on contract and salary on standby and stuff so, <laughs> It's kind, is kind of, of an interesting dynamic there. Yeah, actually, if you're I Liam Lawson totally you know you're just like are you like putting uh, X-lacs in their drink or what <laughs> 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 if you really know you know you're right there you're like in the gym with max verstappen and you're just like oh man here catch this weight oops
1: (laughs) oops sorry so i i said it wrong he will not be in super formula next year my bad he is the full-time reserve driver that's what i meant to say i'm sorry i was thinking i got all excited about super formula and then i totally failed to say that he will not be going back there so i agree with you it's like the backup quarterback thing Although the thing in backup quarterbacks in NFL is they make so much money. My brother always says it's probably the best position in all sports. <laughs> you don't have to do
0: anything. <laughs> yeah, make you a million a year or whatever, half a million a year, a and not get no hurt. No way. Do you know
1: what those guys make now? You have backup quarterbacks uh-huh. that make almost probably ten million bucks a year, seven to ten million bucks. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm not kidding. Go look it up. It's unbelievable. It's the best. It's the Jeez. best situation in sports is being a backup quarterback. Uh, besides being a pro <laughs> golfer. I'd say being a pro golfer would be pretty cool. So <laughs>
0: oh man. In the paper. Just keep department. making assumptions. Yeah, just keep
1: making assumptions. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Let's just, just
0: make some blanket statements.
1: <laughs> What's the internet, bro? What do you expect these days? Uh, that's good. Uh, there was a ton of rumors circulating around the internet the last couple of days where people love to use these uh, you won't believe what I just heard in the paddock deal. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of this centered around this rumor of Fernando Alonso replacing Sergio Perez at Red Bull, Sergio Perez possibly either retiring or going back to Aston Martin and just sort of a swap. It's not going to happen. It doesn't sound like it's happening, but, I don't know. Rumors don't do it for me. I don't. I don't. I don't get. I get. I okay. I get people being so interested in them, but I see ones like this. I'm like, that's just not going to happen. Like, I don't. I don't get why people believe. Alonzo this, but... would
0: be a great I... Red Bull fit. He has well, this yeah. like aura about him. Well, he's he's awesome. He's incredible. I know, but he's got the like for for a guy his age. He still has this like cool factor that. I feel like fits Red Bull, and think yeah, about right. it for a second. I mean, Red Bull. I know that Red Bull obviously is a really young brand, but age-wise, the brand is, you know, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Do young people drink Red Bull, or is it people our age? It's probably our age. I still drink Red Bull. So they have a young driver in their twenties, Max. But why not? Why not reconnect with the original? Really, the original generation of Red Bull, which would be basically his age or a little bit younger and by the way he's still cool he carries this like aura mm-hmm. about him because he's Alonzo
1: makes it's perfect like sense international
0: man of mystery race car driver <clears throat> you ever
1: think about that like when he did the sports car stuff and Dakar and it was just epic and was just traveling the world doing that and it just goes back to Formula 1 is awesome I mean it's,
0: it, the other reason it makes sense to me is like it's not like Red Bull cares about their driver development pipeline at all <laughs> <laughs> How they've used Alvaro and well, I mean they've used. It. Didn't we actually? Didn't we we dove into that earlier this year. Yeah, well we uh, and Will Buxton
1: talks about that in the, in the other episode I did, uh, especially Alex Albon. You know, in terms of Red Bull being like, huh, might have let, let that one get away too quick. I mean, the guy is immensely quick. No, I'm not wrong. Ways. No, you are not wrong. They they do the, they are so quick at Red Bull. Like, the fact, the fact that Sergio Perez has lasted this long, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not above making mid-season switches. That's how Max Verstappen got his chance and went and won when he replaced Danny Kvyat. You know? I mean, yeah. the, the, like, they've done this many times. And, I mean, Pierre Gasly gets knocked down and goes and wins, right? It's like the, the fact that they've let this go on as long as they have with Sergio Perez. Something, something's going on there. So maybe they've had a change of heart. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? If you're out there and you know, and you know what's going through Christian Horner's mind right now, reach out to us at the Money Lab, social media across all of them. Thank you. We're we're looking for a lot of reach out here. Uh, We're moving on to Formula One. We don't know the answer there, but we want to know if you know. Please let us know. Supercars in Australia. I just had to bring this up because... I fell asleep watching this the other night, but I'm a big Supercars fan and I just love to, uh, I love to watch them. The highlights, especially, or just like put those races on late at night and I fall asleep to them because they're awesome. But nonetheless, uh, Brody Kostecki and David Reynolds had an epic duel at the, uh, the end of the race 25 at Surfers paradise. David Reynolds snapped a five year win the streak when he won. um, but if you haven't watched this, please go check it out. You can do the highlights on YouTube. It's really easy from Supercar's YouTube channel. But this race was just epic. It's everything we thought we were getting with the next-gen car at road courses with, in NASCAR. And for some reason, we don't get it. And I can't figure um, I don't understand what the difference is, Landon. What but uh, can't get this kind of racing.
0: Is their tire wider? or Is their tire as wide as ours? I think it's skinnier.
1: I thought it was the same damn tire. So I was under the impression you because Dunlop that, is their tire people he has a lot and Goodyear it. owns Dunlop or Dunlop owns Goodyear. One of the two, I thought it was the same tire,
0: but I don't think it is. And that's, I could be the failure. I think that's that we, I was having this conversation earlier this week with some engineers and, um, and we were talking about that, that aspect of the tire. And, the the conversation went to basically saying that maybe the contact patch is too wide that it just the tire has this ability to dissipate heat eat too easily because it's so wide and you know the car can just makes too much grip it's hard to get past the tire and slide around.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, I I think I think there's a big yeah I think the tire is just too much. There's just too much tire. Um, okay, so I'm looking it up right now. I'm just going to do this live while we're here. Hold on. There's a vast – Uh. yeah, the tires are vastly <clears throat> different between the Supercar and the NASCAR Cup car. Um, so we the NASCAR Cup cars use an 18 by 14 BBS wheel. The radial tires are 365 millimeters with a 35 ratio sidewall. Yeah, so supercars use a, small, a far smaller tire. They use a 280 millimeter tire. Hmm with a 40-ratio sidewall on 18-inch wheels. They have a smaller tire. They have a narrower tire. This, this, and the added sidewall allows for a more forgiving tire set through the corners.
0: Yeah, it's all the tire.
1: It's all the tire. It's, it's what's ruined <clears> us. It's
0: so what we did. need to go back. We need to go back the direction that we came from. Bigger sidewall, narrower tire, let the car lean into the tire more.
1: Yep, exactly. We need tires. With this discussion, if you came to the Money Lap podcast this week expecting anything other than tire discussion, You have been sorely disappointed.
0: (laughs) Well, we have Q and A. Let's do our Q and A, and then wrap before we we've got two really good questions. Uh, One of them, I'm going to let you hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Answer. uh, Break Bruner, 21. Let me wrap up something real quick.
1: Oh, what are you
0: wrapping up? Uh, Just a
1: FYI for those that care, the championship battle in supercars is going down to the final two races of the season at Adelaide, the Adelaide 500, one of the coolest street circuits in the world. Uh, just as cool surface paradise where they raced before. And basically Brody Kostecki has a really large lead over Shane van Gisbergen. Um, so we'll see what happens, but anyway, that's coming up in a couple weeks. We can move on now.
0: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, so tell, so we've done a year in Xfinity last year. We had rear ends moving underneath. We had skew. We had all that stuff this year. NASCAR got rid of the skew. They locked down the rear end housing. So you didn't have the rear end housing moving underneath you, um, through the motion of the car, through the travel. So break Bruner on that topic wants to know how did it change? How did it change the season? Were things closer on high speed ovals? Was it good change? What did you feel?
1: Um, so purse, I didn't get to drive these cars, uh, the last year on the, the large ovals like you did, so I don't I know I have driven the cars that had tons of skew, even the the COT era, and I've driven the ones that had a ton of movement. I still you know we still have movement because you can leave certain bolts loose and that sort of thing, and everyone does it, and so they do move, um, which was something I had to adjust to this year. I would say the biggest thing for me in terms of just you know on the sim feeling of difference is you just can't carry the same level of throttle through the corner and it doesn't quite have Mm -hmm. the the ability to rotate through the center, uh, on Mm -hmm. throttle as it did with this skew pointed out. So, you know, I think skew just adds a little bit of side force, which adds speed. You know, that's that to me was the big difference. Mm -hmm. I don't personally think there was a different pecking order. Do I think the Joe Gibbs cars are primarily mostly the fastest cars slash Stuart Haas? Yeah. And that's kind of been the case all year long. So at those tracks, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have a different opinion. I
0: think it actually, um, we had some suspicions last year and felt like we saw things and in pictures and, you know, there's always rumors and stuff. Um, to me, the performance this year pretty much confirmed that I think JRM's advantage last year was in the rear end housings, was in the skew oh, of the yeah. cars. Yep. That's a good point. Um, although it, Sam Mayer's been on it, but he, well, Sam Mayer, but we're talking about road courses and, you know, it's not like intermediate tracks is where he's done it, so.
1: Yeah, they had. Uh, I mean, the, the yeah.
0: Charlotte race last year,
1: where the four JRM cars were like lapping the field, <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah. over a long green flag run. I think that lended it to they had a pretty big advantage in the grip category, <laughs> a little bit. Yep. <laughs> so that is that is interesting. What's this next one? What's this next one we got?
0: Uh, next one from Cole J sixty nine seventy six um wants to know if we find it odd that the 38 team would try bending the rules around something so obvious to even some of the public. I think he's referring to Zane Smith's truck at Homestead with the windshield deflection. Yep. Uh we talked about. So yep. um I think that I mean uh, there there's a couple different ways that I think you could look at that and say first of all, yeah, I mean maybe they maybe it is odd that they would do that and they just didn't think that it would get noticed. That's very possible. Sounds silly. But I think it's very possible that those teams, they get focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, we come up with a strategy. NASCAR hasn't been inspecting the windshields. We're going to find a way to, you know, fracture our braces or remove a pin or something, and it's going to deflect, and we're going to gain 50 pounds of downforce, and it's going to be great, and we're going to win, and nobody's going to know. And then they get out on the racetrack, and their first time their car's seen on TV in the middle of the race, they go, oh, shit. <laughs> um, that's very possible. I do think the second thing that is possible is and I've seen this happen many times in my career uh, when you're dealing with movable things in in the air and, you know, bracing that you're maybe you're trying to manipulate the strength of the brace. Um, there's different ways to accomplish what that team was trying to do. And I don't know specifically how they did it, but. It's very possible that whatever they were trying to do with the windshield brace, the real life of it did more than they were expecting, right? So maybe they just wanted to bend a little bit, but it ended up bending too much. Or maybe they, they you know, tried to remove something and it just completely collapsed. Um, it's hard to tell once you put the thing car on the track and it's going 180 miles an hour what really is happening underneath there. So um, it's also very possible that whatever they were trying to do, uh, they ended up getting more than they bargained for. And that's what got them caught. Well
1: said. I don't have anything to add to that. It was perfect. <laughs> cool. I don't, there's nothing, there's nothing more than that. Thank you guys for the uh, questions. As always, if you want to get on the show, send us questions like this in the YouTube comments on social media, wherever. Um, and we will definitely, uh, you know, try to get them on the show. So I'm going to Phoenix this weekend, Landon. You mentioned you've been helping teams prep for Phoenix. Let's see if we can finish the year strong. And hopefully NASCAR has a a scintillating three races to finish out with with the 48 car winning the Saturday one Um, and holding the championship contenders off. That'd be wonderful. Sounds good. Last race of the season. Make it happen we will uh and before we go i just want to say stay tuned to all our social medias over the next couple of days especially into monday tuesday next week because as i said we have something big to announce um and we just don't have it all together yet but just stay with us this is gonna be big it's gonna be last a lot of the all season um and it's gonna be a lot of fun and we need you all to be a part of it so if you're listening to this podcast a part of our newsletter or on our social media. Uh, You're all going to be a part of it, and it's going to be awesome. So stay tuned. With that, that's the pod. Thanks for listening to The Money Lap. As always, check out themoneylap.com for the best five minutes in motorsports, or sometimes just the coolest stuff in motorsports. Delivered directly to your inbox three times a week. Check us out on YouTube. We're growing fast over there. And, of course, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We're all over the internet. We're spreading the word of how cool motorsports is. Check us out.